Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Brave Church Podcast, and thanks for listening. At the end of this talk, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook or Instagram, where you can get even more connected to what's going on in our community. But most importantly, we hope the following talk inspires you to take your next step in finding or following Jesus. All right. Well, hey, four weeks ago uh, on Vision Sunday, we shared our theme uh, for this next year. It's personal. And it's personal because we take the vision that God gives us very seriously. What is personal to you? Your family, uh, your marriage, your kids, your grandkids, uh, what your needs are, your hopes, your dreams. Today, I want to tell you a story about a dreamer, an ordinary person like you and I that God used in extraordinary ways, but the path to his purpose was rough. He, it was very personal, lots of highs, lots of lows, like a lot of our lives. And it wasn't easy. And he had many reasons to give up, to check out, just like we all do. Joseph's story spans over many chapters in the first book of the Bible, and it begins with telling about his father's love for Joseph, how his father loved Joseph more than all of his other brothers. In fact, he made him a coat of many colors because Joseph was his favorite child. This created enormous jealousy, as you can imagine, in their family. It was truly a dysfunctional family for many reasons. And so one day Joseph has two dreams and when he shares them with his brothers, the scriptures actually say they hated him. So on another day, they're out in the fields and they see Joseph is coming from the distance and the brothers say to one another, here comes the dreamer. Let's kill him and see what comes of his dreams. But Reuben, the oldest brother, was a little more clear-headed and He gets this idea and he says, hey, why don't we just throw him in this empty cistern or well over here? And he thought to himself, I can always come back later and save Joseph out of the well. But the the brothers, they see this traveling caravan that's coming by and they decide to get Joseph up out of the well and to sell him into slavery for 20 shekels of silver. If you don't have your notes, just raise your hand. The ushers will get these to you, but you're going to want to write this down. Number one, God gives people dreams. Joseph's dream was from God, but the family didn't want to accept it. Most people come from less than ideal families or circumstances, and sometimes we even come from broken families. If God has given you a dream, it doesn't depend on where you came from or your circumstances or whether or not your family accepts it. It depends on God's plan, his character and his favor in your life. A dream from God is significant and God has dreams and plans in mind for each and every one of our lives. The Bible says that God has plans for you and that while you were even in your mother's womb, he wove you together and he created those. Think of a woman carrying a baby. Chances are you know one. My daughter, uh, Marcy, is carrying my first granddaughter, Mia. And uh, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, of course. Thank you very much. And, uh, but Mia is unborn right now. But right now, God is birthing in her, weaving her together, shaping her for the dreams that he has for her and the purposes for her life. God gives people dreams. Number two, pits and prisons prepare us for them. 
Joseph's own family betrays him. Sometimes your closest friends can hurt you the most. Isn't that true? The enemy wanted to stop Joseph by wounding his heart early on. Many dreams get stuck because we fail to overcome our own hurt from the past and our insecurities in the present. When Joseph was thrown into that pit and then sold into slavery by his own brothers, he could have carried in his heart from that day forward a bitterness, a revenge in his heart that would have ruined him. And you know what? We never, ever would have heard of Joseph. Even though Joseph had a dream that was bigger than himself, he did not have the character or the maturity yet to carry out that dream. Joseph had to live it before he could learn it. So Joseph spent some time in a pit, and then he came under another man's vision called Potiphar, and he came into Potiphar's house, and he served Potiphar, and everything that Joseph did prospered under him. Joseph was a tremendous success. Plus, the scriptures tell us that he was a handsome, well-built sort of guy, kind of like Ryan Gosling, you know, (laughs) if you like the smoldering, moody, good-looking actor type, you know. But but Joseph apparently was as good-looking as Ryan Gosling and had a great business mind, too. And so one day, Potiphar's wife tries to seduce Joseph, uh, but it was more than a temptation to commit adultery. It was a test of his pride. Did Joseph see what he had accomplished under Potiphar as being his, as belonging to him? Or did Joseph see it all as God's doing and none of it belonging to him? When she propositioned him, he could have felt entitled by his success. Look at what I've done. I grew this. My wisdom made all of this happen. And therefore, everything belongs to me because I made it happen in this house. And now the master's wife wants me too. And pride could have destroyed Joseph that day. And you know what? We never would have heard of his story. His wholeness as a man and his humility was tested in that moment when Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. This was a test about pride and lust, but it was also Joseph answering a very important question that we all need to answer. Will I be the kind of person that looks for affirmation from the wrong person? This is a common temptation to be seduced or led away by the wrong person or the wrong voice in your life. Joseph saw through all of it and he ran. And having a greater vision or dream in your life is the greatest deterrent to sin in your life. Joseph had a greater purpose. In 2002, I was traveling home from speaking in Hawaii. I know somebody has to save those savages over there and I volunteered and um, I had uh, I had enough frequent flyer miles. They automatically upgraded me to a, a first class seat, and I was seated next to a very attractive woman. She was well dressed, very together, very friendly, and I, I asked all about her because I like people. and And usually there are divine appointments that I'm looking for opportunities to share the gospel. And she was a very highly successful international banker, and she was returning from one of her homes in Maui. And I share with her that I was a pastor. And she said, oh, my, my brother's a pastor as well. And she seemed like a very nice person. And so I started talking about my family and my wife and my two sons. And I was describing to her how handsome my sons were. 
when she said, oh, they couldn't be any better looking than their father, which normally I would have readily agreed with. Uh, (laughs) But then she said, are you staying over in LA? And I was, and at this moment, I start to feel a little bit uncomfortable. And she says, well, I have a home in Pasadena. I'll be staying there tonight by myself. This was it. The opportunity presented itself, the perfect setup. No one will ever know. This was an undivine appointment, a test, a setup. Now, you might wonder, how did I pass this test so easily? I'll tell you how. God has given me a dream for my marriage. And it's better, it's a better dream than any affair could ever offer me. That following God's dream for your life means You choose for God's best in every single part of your life, in your marriage, in your career, and in the kinds of friendships that you build around you so that when tests come into your life, you've got a dream that's bigger than the temptation. You don't even think about doing it. Joseph has a dream that's bigger than that temptation in that moment, and so Joseph resists it, and then it happened. He's wrongly accused and he's thrown into prison. What a downer. I mean, not only for what, you know, for for what happened, but the guy just passed a major character test, right? And sometimes in life we feel like, man, I did really good there, God. Now bless me. Next thing you know, you're thrown into prison. Like things get worse. But you know what? We all spend time in a metaphorical prison, seasons where we we feel trapped by our circumstances and something unjust happens happens to us, and it's just not fair. And so this is a really important time because how you spend your time in prison determines the outcome of your life. Joseph chose to see the best in his situation. And while in prison, he uses his gifts, and he interprets dreams, and he serves the warden's business affairs. You see, wherever Joseph found himself in life, He gave it all he had, and he was a blessing to other people. He worked really hard, and he applied himself, and he never gave up. Have you ever felt boxed in? You know, just kind of stuck? Maybe disappointed in the path that your life has taken you? This is a season of reflection. It's like, man, I thought I would be here, but I'm over here. Does it ever feel like your life is stagnant? Sometimes we're given a dream by God, and then the exact opposite happens. Have you noticed that? You have a promising season that's, that's followed by this feeling of entrapment, of this dead-end situation, and you feel imprisoned by your circumstances that you can't control, and you feel like there's no way out. But God is a way maker, and God specializes in making your prison time a classroom for growth. Joseph said this in Genesis 41, verse 52. He said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. That God's dream must shape us before it fulfills us. And often this shaping time is a time of, well, it's a time of overwhelming circumstances. One of the things that I hear Christians say all the time is, you know, is that God will never give you more than you can handle. The problem with that saying is it's not true. Sometimes God does give you way more than you can handle. How do I know? Because I've been given way more than I can handle. That's how I know. 
God doesn't promise you you'll never be given more than you can handle. That's not true. But he does promise you that he'll always be with you, that he'll never leave you, that he'll always work through everything in your life for good. And suffering, what I have found, it it refines your values, what matters most to you in life. There was nothing about Joseph's circumstances in the natural that indicated that he had God's favor. Think about this. For many years, Potiphar's house, the pit, the prison, nothing looked like he had God's favor from the American point of view of Christianity, but he did have God's favor. Let's talk for a moment about real life because the truth is uh, even the greatest dreamers must face reality. Joseph's life wasn't easy. Life isn't easy. But Joseph had a choice and he chose to be faithful. He chose to be open to God in every circumstance that he found himself in. And as a result, he found great favor from God. Your tests in life matter because they prove your faithfulness. It's kind of like strength. I can can think of myself as a strong person capable of lifting 100-pound dumbbells, you know, on each arm multiple times and all that kind of stuff. But if I ever were to go to a gym... Uh, then I would find out where my strength really was. And I would go all the way down from the really big dumbbells all the way down to the girl dumbbells at the, at the end there, right? Yeah, okay. Uh, but then I find out how really strong I am. When your faithfulness is tested, when you have a reason to give up, when you face injustice, bitterness, suffering, difficulty, and challenges, then you find out if you have faith. Then you find out who you really are. And so pits and prisons are where true strength is revealed and it's developed in your life. And Joseph could have seen, you know, his whole life up to that point in prison, he could have seen it as, you know what, this is, this is too much for me. I can't believe my, my brothers did this to me. If anybody had a reason for a family therapist, right, it was Joseph. And nothing's wrong with that, by the way. But instead, He reframed his narrative in every circumstance he found himself in. He kept believing that God has a plan and that God was actually leading and growing him towards his best. So your response to betrayal and tragedy and disappointments can break you or build you. And it's your choice. If you're in a pit or you're in a prison right now, do you see how God is building your life and preparing you for his promises? Do you see the importance of the test that you're in right now? Don't lose heart, because God gives people dreams, and pits and prisons prepare us for them. Number three, our strongest desires will write the ending. While in prison, God orchestrated a divine appointment with someone whom Joseph normally would have never met. It was the chief baker to Pharaoh. Joseph used his gift again. He helped him interpret a dream for the chief baker. When the chief baker got out of prison, he forgot all about Joseph. That had to be discouraging until two more years in prison. And then Pharaoh has a dream. And then the chief baker remembers Joseph in prison, that he knew how to interpret dreams. And so God gave Joseph the meaning of Pharaoh's dream. There's going to be seven years of abundance, followed by seven years of famine. And like while under Potiphar and the prison warden, God gave Joseph favor in the eyes of Pharaoh. 
And it says in Genesis 41, verse 39, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. That's favor. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Joseph begins storing up food for seven years, seven years of abundance. In fact, the scripture said that God gave so much abundance in that seven years that they literally stopped keeping record because it was beyond measure. This is now followed by seven years of famine. And it says in verse 57, all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. This is when all of Joseph's brothers come to Egypt because of the famine. They're desperate for food and they bow down before him. Joseph was second only in command to Pharaoh. And it says in the scripture, I love this, it says, then Joseph remembered his dreams. After all, Joseph had been through in his life. This was a defining moment for him. What would be Joseph's strongest desire? Revenge or redemption? Had his heart and maturity grown large enough for this moment? Look at what happens. Joseph says to his brothers in Genesis 45, verse 5, Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Then he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Because of Joseph, Pharaoh gave his entire family, all of his brothers and his father, the best land in Egypt. Not only that, the scripture says that Joseph provided for them their whole lives. This is not a bitter, unforgiving, small-hearted person. This is a very generous person. And Joseph's faithfulness to God, even in the most difficult times, saved his family and the nation that were not even his own people. Now think about, think about how you respond to pain in your life. What you default to when things go really rough for you. When you feel betrayed. When you feel it's unjust, is your first desire to get even, retaliate, move on, or to be redemptive? You see, our response in these moments say something very important about who we are. Not who we think we are, but who we really are. And it reveals what we desire most in life. Being thrown into the pit by your own family wasn't fair. That is so intense being thrown into a prison by your boss after doing all the right things wasn't fair. But Joseph knew what he wanted most, and he was able to rise above every one of the circumstances that he faced in life that would define him to who he would become. And because of that, we know his story. He didn't get better. He got better because his strongest desire was for God. What is your strongest desire? In the midst of adversity, this gets decided. Faith is living in advance what we will only understand in reverse. 
God has a dream for your life, and it's a beautiful story. Your decisions that you make, the choices that you make will determine whether or not we hear of you. Our strongest desires will write the ending. God doesn't force us to love him now or to be faithful to him. We always have a choice. And no matter where Joseph found himself, he chose to serve in that moment. And he used his gifts for God's best. And as a result, he lived an incredible story. And we know his name. He used the business skills that he had learned to create in all those different places he served. And then ultimately, he creates a worldwide feeding program. When your life is about serving others, really great things happen. And in 2019, uh, we're going to become known for serving our community, Brave Church. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Nobody needs permission around here to do good in our community. Church serve days are great, uh, but we shouldn't need a t-shirt and a video camera to do good in our community. Don't wait for someone to organize something official to do good. Because following Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, serving others is our value system. It's what we do. It's the way we live. It's not about the stuff that, it's about the stuff that no one sees, Don't serve to be seen. No one but God saw what Joseph was doing while he was in prison. Don't wait for someone else. Serve serve others because it's your value. It's your everyday life. And God sees that. He sees everything that you do. Your worship is to serve him. Buy someone behind you coffee in line or, or as a family, if you know of a need or you see a need or something, help somebody out, but don't post it on social media, what you did. Okay? (laughs) When our only agenda is love, the community sees our love in action and they see Jesus. Do you want them to see Jesus or your post? Serve in obscurity. The Bible says, let another person's lips praise you. Don't praise yourself. When doing good becomes a self-promotional tool We've missed the heart of Jesus. Start your own family traditions of serving and blessing other people. Teach your kids by your example, by what you do, by what you live. And they'll see you as a person of integrity. What motivates you when you serve? What do you value most? What drives you? Why are you doing it? Our strongest desires will write the end of our story, and it did for Joseph. Joseph had a God-sized dream to help other people, to save others. And we at Brave have a God-sized dream. You see, we're laying a foundation together to reach the bay and the love of Jesus. We have just gotten started. We're just beginning. And God brought you here to do good. Great lives are built around great dreams that take time to build. I've had the opportunity to meet and know over many years, many great people. Some of them are famous. You would know them. Some of them are not famous. The thing about fame and greatness is they have nothing to do with each other. You can be famous and not be great. And you can be great and not be famous. Nobody is born great. 
You become great by attaching your life to the cause of Jesus Christ. God's dream for humanity, helping people find and follow Jesus. And this is a dream that's bigger than ourselves. We all need something that's bigger than ourselves to pull us out of our self-centeredness. Imagine what God could do through Brave Church. Imagine if we fully embrace God's dream and we get unstuck from our petty bitterness and unforgiveness and our victim stories of the past. We all have them. Are we going to stay there or move on into the future that God's called us to do together? There's a passage in a letter that was written uh, to a group of people in Ephesus, a group of churches, and it's from a period where the church was just getting started. And the early church father named Paul wrote this, and he said this in Ephesians 1, verse 18. May God enlighten the eyes of your mind so that you can see the hope that his calling holds for you. And then he says in chapter 3, verse 20, God can do anything. You know far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. May God enlighten the eyes of our mind today and our dreams. God says to you, think of the greatest thing that you could do with your life. Think of the greatest way that God can bless others through you. Dream your very biggest dream, the greatest vision you can. And God says, if you're faithful, I'll top that. If you're faithful, I'll top it. God's dream may not be what you have in mind. But it sure is his best for you. And maybe you're here today and God's given you a dream and you just know it's from God, but it takes way longer than you hoped it would. Maybe your faithfulness is being tested. You're in the season of that testing. Don't give up on the dream that God has called you to endure. If the dream is is truly from God, It will somehow always be connected to his church because the church is his plan to save the world. Why would God give you a dream that's disconnected from what he wants to do in the world? Jesus came to establish his church on earth to reach the world. And so God is building our community, a family. And he's adding to us every week, new family members from every nation, every tribe, every language, and every people group here. That's God's big plan. That's what he's doing. And God did not create you to live on earth for some kind of meaningless existence where you just get up early, go to work, head home, watch TV, go to bed, make a little money, you know, uh, retire, and then move somewhere and die. Really? That's your best? I don't think so. God has way more for you than that. It's personal because it's about your life making a difference and you stepping up from whatever your pit you're living in or whatever prison you feel trapped in. Right before Jesus was crucified or or after he was crucified, uh, he was seen by many different people. And before he went to heaven, he stayed around in Jerusalem as a proof of his resurrection. And he walked around and he talked to people and he was seen by over 500 witnesses But then after 40 days, he gathers his disciples together and he calls them together for his great dream in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, 
He says to his disciples, and he says to you and I, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's called the Great Commission. Dreams begin by starting with where you are. Your dreams and desires put you in places where you can grow. And if you keep moving and uprooting yourself, you're never going to grow anything that'll last. God starts with where you're at. You're not here by accident. And the Bible says that a righteous person's steps are ordered of the Lord. If you believe that, then you know you're here for a reason. And that God has placed you here to grow and to accomplish his dream. It's personal. It's personal for our youth. It's personal for our families. It's personal for our community. What does serving our community look like? Start with what's obvious. What need can you see? For Joseph, it was storing up grain because he knew a famine was coming. What what a powerful testimony to God that he he was able to save so many lives. There are millions of people in the Bay Area that do not know how to drive. And they certainly don't know Jesus. God's plan starts with you and I here. What do you desire most? I know why our family moved here. I know why we're here. Are you on mission? It's personal. It's personal when you get involved. You step up to step one on the fast track and you say, I'm getting involved. We're doing this. When your greatest desire is to give God your whole heart and soul, everything changes. When your life becomes a mission of love, when, you're, when doing your part is, is something to, to help others, to connect other people to Jesus, when you're thinking in every conversation, in every gathering, how can I bring someone to Jesus? How can I help them along? As we close, I want to invite you to take a few moments. In a few moments, as Brandon leads us in this song, this is a time between you and God to evaluate your heart. What is my greatest desire? What matters most? How high does God's mission of love rate in my life? Would you stand with me? Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Bay Area, we would love for you to join us at a Sunday gathering in San Ramon. For directions, gathering times, or information about our Brave Kids program, visit us at brave.church. Also, if you want to help support what God is doing through Brave, you can give online to the Brave Foundation at brave.church forward slash foundation.